Bibles this morning, please, to Genesis chapter 31. As we continue our series, He's Still Working on Me, The Life of Jacob. And you know, Jacob was a flawed individual. In fact, all of us are. We may try to hide it and mask it and cover it up, but eventually some cracks appear in our facade. And that's a good thing. Uh, because healing and health can begin once we become real and quit playing games. And for 20 years now, uh, God has had Jacob laboring under another flawed individual, one who actually made Jacob look pretty good, uh, his uncle Laban. Uh, but this is for a purpose. God is working on Jacob. Uh, He's growing him. He's stretching him. He's maturing him. You remember I told you that Jacob's in God's school of discipline and maturity. And all of God's children are in the same school. Uh, Fourteen years he labored for his two wives. Uh, Six years he's labored for his wealth. It has not been easy. It's been a time of affliction. Um, He is frustrated. He's somewhat angry. And he's ready to go home. And finally, that day arrives. That day has come. Now, in many ways, today's story is sad, uh, especially when we look at Uncle Laban, uh, who's been around Jacob for 20 years. But we'll talk about more of that later. What I want to do is get into chapter 31. And the best thing I know to do, uh, because it's a very long passage and we have a very short time, is to read the passage and then we'll come back and we'll kind of unpack it together Uh, In our few minutes together. So we're going to read the story there. Genesis chapter 31. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. And let's read the word of God together. It says in Genesis chapter 1. Or excuse me, 31. Verse 1. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban. And indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I've served your father Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. 
Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions, which he had gained, his acquired livestock, which he had gained in Pandanaram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him, <coughs> excuse me, that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day, <coughs> excuse me, that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him seven days journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night and said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. Thank you. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now, Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you've stolen a very away from unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with a sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs with timbrel and harp. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid. For I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let them live. And the presence of our brethren identify what I have taken of yours or what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. See, a lot of folks don't know a lot of things in this passage. Laban didn't know that Jacob had done it with Leah. Um, um, Jacob didn't know that uh, Rachel had stolen the household gods. Verse 33, Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now, Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. Do you find how sad this is, beloved? He's searching for his gods. He's searching for his idols and his daughters sitting on them. And he does not know it. What powerful God he has. Verse 35. And she said to her father, it gets even worse. Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you for the manner of women is with me. And so she's sitting on her father's gods in that fashion. And he searched but did not find the household idols. Verse 36. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, I want you to feel the frustration, feel it building up. It's about to release here. What is my trespass? What is my sin that you've so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren. They may judge between us both. These 20 years I've been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young. I've not eaten the rams of your flock. 
that which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus, I've been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters, six years for your flock, and you've changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Verse 43, and Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. This flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these, my daughters, or to their children whom they have born? Of course, he's mistaken. Those things were Jacob's. Verse 44. Now, therefore, come. Let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. They took stones and made a heap and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jigar Shadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was called Galid, also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. If you afflict my daughters or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar which I place between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father judged between us and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Now, we obviously don't have time to unpack that entire passage verse by verse. But there are some big themes that rise to the surface that I want us to look at this morning. You know, we've done several uh, Bible character studies throughout the years. One of my favorite things to do is a Bible character study. And you've heard me say on many of occasion this statement that God is the hero of the story. No matter who we are studying, God is the hero of the story. And that's the same case here. God is the hero of this story. And we see that in two main ways And what we just read together, we see it in the guidance of God and we see it in the goodness of God. Now, you may have missed it because you were kind of focused on the heated exchange between these two angry men. You may have missed what was said about the Lord. And so I want to go back and look for a few minutes with you about these two main things that we see about God in this story. First of all, there's the guidance of God. I believe that mature uh, Christians, uh, mature men and women of God, they want to know the will of God. They desire to have his guidance. They want to do what God wants them to do. Now, some things are obvious. You can turn into the word of God and God very clearly states what his will is. It's printed in black and white. But then there are those decisions that come to our lives that the Bible does not address directly. 
The Bible does not tell you the name of the person that you should marry. The Bible does not tell you which job you should apply for. The Bible does not tell you exactly which house you should choose and select. And so we have this whole idea about the will of God. Now, Jacob was not at home in Haran. He had traveled there to find a wife. He got two and then got two more thrown in. He had traveled there likewise to escape the anger and the vengeance of his brother Esau, who desired to kill him. He had expected, I guess, to stay a short while. In fact, his mom had been talked about staying for a few days. But what happened is a few days turned into a few years. You ever had that happen? Just going to stay here a few days and it turns into years. Just going to do this for a short time. But he's here 20 years. But now he wants to go home. In fact, he's wanted to go home for some time now. If you back up from where we are in chapter 31, six years ago, he expressed a desire to go. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 25, six years earlier, it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. And yet Laban says, well, don't go home yet. Stay with me and let's make an agreement here. What do you want? Let's work this thing out. And we see what happens. And so now we fast forward to a total of 20 years. And this brings us to some interesting things about how God guides our steps. We see it in this passage, how God guides our steps. Let me just warn you about something. I've learned long ago to be weary and leery of formulas. And, uh, and, you know, God has to do A, B, C or, or trying to fit God in a box. Don't do that. But we do find that uh, there are some things and some ways that God often does guide his children. Now, we know as New Testament believers, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And that's a wonderful thing to have the indwelling Holy Spirit to help guide us. And he helps us in that. And, of course, everybody would say that prayer is a key to knowing the will of God. But we see some of the other means that God uses to guide us. In fact, we have four of them in the story of his desire to go home. Let me give you these four real quickly. First of all, there's inward desire. There's inward desire. This is not foolproof because we're sinful and and we have um, fleshly and sinful desires. But there's that desire that God gives us. And Jacob desired to go home. We saw it six years ago in the story in Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. So he had an inward desire to go home. Secondly, there are circumstances. Circumstances. Do you see how God is guiding Jacob in this whole matter? Uh, Jacob, is, he has his eyes and ears open and he hears Laban's sons talking about him. How he had taken their wealth and done all these things. He looks and he sees that Laban's countenance was not as it was before. And God is bringing about some circumstances in his life to help guide him. And then, of course, there is the word of God. The word of God. He had the clear word of God on this matter. On this matter. God has spoken to him. Return. I'll be with you. Now, God doesn't speak to us audibly today, but God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. And God often brings in the word of God to guide us at the principles of the word of God in the way we're supposed to go. And then finally, we find that God uses the counsel of other people, counsel from others. Jacob lays all this out before his wives and they hear it all and they say, let's go. 
And let me just encourage you, when you go for counsel, seek counsel from other godly people that will guide you in a way that honors the Lord. Now, how gracious the Lord is in guiding Jacob's life, providing the right people, the right timing to move him out of Haran toward Canaan. And Jacob obeyed the word of the Lord, but he was not perfect. You notice that he moved out in faith, but he moved out in faith that was mingled with fear. He admits that in the passage. I was afraid, yet he moved out nonetheless. And beloved, can I just say to you that God still guides the steps of many women of God who desire to follow him and do his will. But let's be honest about it. God did not just guide Jacob at the end of the 20 years. This is not the start of God's blessing upon his life. He's been actually blessing him the entire time he's been with Uncle Laban, struggling along. And it's a beautiful thing here to hear the testimony of Jacob. Jacob says some things about the Lord. We're going to go through them real quickly together as we think about the goodness of God. So we see the guidance of God. God using the inward desire and circumstances and counsel from other people and the word of God. But then there's the goodness of God. And it's seen at least three ways in this passage. I would encourage you to jot them down. Jacob here is speaking to his wives. And you notice he called them out to the field where the flocks were. He wanted a private meeting with his spouses. That's kind of weird to say, but that's what it was with his wives, Leah and Rachel. And I want you to notice what he talked about. He talked about the presence of God in his life. He talked about the presence of God in his life. Look back at verse five. He said to them, I see your father's countenance that it's not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. Beloved, can I just say to you that God's presence in your life makes all the difference in the world. Later on, when he's talking to Uncle Laban, he mentions God's presence again. Look at verse 42. Here's what he says to Uncle Laban. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God has seen my affliction, labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. The presence of God. Listen, in the most difficult times of life, what we need is the presence of Almighty God. In the most difficult times of life, what we need is the presence of Almighty God in our lives. And dear follower of Jesus here today, New Testament saying, 2016, what did Jesus say to us in his word? I will what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know how many years it took for Jacob to have his eyes open to realize that God was with him, that God was watching over him, that God was preserving him and helping him. But praise the Lord, he got it. You know, sometimes we're like that. We just don't get it. But praise the Lord, he's patient and long-suffering and merciful. And finally, here we have Jacob. His own mouth says it. The Lord was with me. He's testifying about it. He knew that God knew. He knew that God knew. And beloved, that goes a long way. You can face mistreatment. You can face suffering. You can face hardship a lot easier if you really sense God's presence in your life. God is here with me. And he talks about God's presence. He talks about God spoke to him, uh, talking to him there throughout the passage. He had the presence of God. And so do we. But there's a second way that we see the goodness of God here 
And that is Jacob talks about the provision of God in his life, the provision of God in his life. God's given him a family and now God's going to bless him material. Look at verse nine. God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Again, verse 42, speaking to Uncle Laban, he talks about the fact that you would have sent me away empty handed, but God saw it and God rebuked you and God is the one who went before me. God would not allow Laban to have the upper hand. He would not allow Jacob to leave empty handed. He blessed him materially. God blessed Jacob and his labors in a tremendous way. Look at verse 18 again. It says he carried away all his livestock, all his possessions, which he gained, his acquired livestock, which he gained in Pandanaram to go to his father, Isaac, the land of Canaan. We'll see later on as he meets up with his brother Esau, just how wealthy he was. You notice that they had at least so they were at least a four tent family, right? I guess, the, you know, they had um, Leah's tent, and Rachel's tent. And I'm sure the maids had a tent. He had a tent. I don't know. But they were rich. They were wealthy. And of course, we can draw an application to our lives, can't we? God is the one who ultimately provides for us. And he has provided for us. In fact, he's blessed us so much that he's not only allowed us to have provision, he's allowed us to provide for others. And so God's goodness is seen in his presence. God's goodness is seen in his provision. But then thirdly, the protection of God. He talks about the protection of God in his life. This is a big theme in this story. A big theme in this passage. Look at verse 7. Talking to his wives, he says, your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. We know that God protected Jacob and his family from emotional and physical harm. Look at verses 22 through 24. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a a dream by night and said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. He had seven days. He had all this time to think about this and that anger welling up inside of him. But God stepped and said, Laban, don't you speak good or bad to my man? Look at verse 20 and 29. Here's what Laban said when he meets up with Jacob. It is in my power to do you harm. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. Laban said, well, I could do this. No, you can't. Because Jacob was under God's protection. And God protected him. And they later, in other words, I believe that Laban wanted to do a whole lot more to Jacob than God allowed him to do. Because God protected him. They settle their differences, if you will. They set up this pillar in this heap and they say we won't pass over one another to do each other harm. I wish we could look at Laban further. We obviously have a time, but I find it's quite sad what we read about him in this passage. He's worried about his gods who have been stolen. He's filled with greed about all the stuff that he thinks is his. Um, Twenty years seeing God's hand of blessing because of Jacob. And yet he still has false gods. In his life. Wish we had more time. We're going to have to leave Laban like Jacob left him. We're also going to have to leave Jacob for a while. We're actually going to put a bookmark in this story and in this series because Thanksgiving's coming and then 
you know, what comes after Thanksgiving, Christmas. And I've got some things I want us to look at in the new year. And so God willing, we'll return to this in 2017. But before you close up shop, let me just say this to you. What about this account today? Do you personally know the goodness and guidance of God in your life? Have you personally experienced his presence and his provision and his protection? Really, what I'm asking you today as we come to kind of a, uh, an interlude or an intermission on this series is, do you know the God of Jacob? Do you know the God of Jacob? Beloved, we've both wasted our time. If you go away today knowing Jacob, but you don't know Jacob's God. And the only way to know Jacob's God is through God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I find it interesting, beloved, that God can choose whatever title he wants for himself. But he calls himself what? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And you and I have studied Jacob for long enough to realize just what a grace-filled God he is to take for one of his titles, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so if you don't know the Lord Jesus today, I would say to you, come to Jesus, receive him by faith today. But then I know I'm preaching to a lot of folks today that you've settled there. You know that Jesus is your Savior and Christ is your Lord and heaven is your home. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Maybe if you were honest, you say, you know, I'm like Jacob. I'm at a point in my life where I need God's guidance. I need God's provision. I need God's protection. Maybe what you really need in your life today, as we come to the end and the middle of this series, if you will, for now, is you need a fresh realization of the presence of God in your life. I said earlier, the presence of God in your life makes all the difference. In the most difficult times of life, what we need is the presence of Almighty God. But can I go a step further? What we really need at all times is the presence of God in our lives. Jacob knew that. He freely admitted that. He testified about that. Can you do that today? Maybe you need to come during this closing song and just say, Lord, I want to know you in a fresh way. I want your presence in my life in a powerful way. And begin to get into the word and to prayer and really seek him and really look for him in your life. And begin to notice afresh and anew His hand at work in your life. Because can I just say this to you before we sing? God is at work every day, all around us. God is at work in our life, but many times we're too busy to notice. Maybe today come and say, Lord, would you open my eyes and my ears and help me to see afresh and anew how you are at work in my life, just like you were at work in Jacob's life. Father, we thank you for this time in the word. And Lord, I know we've only scratched the surface of this 31st chapter of Genesis. But Lord, as we made this scratch, you shone through in a beautiful, glorious way. You indeed are the hero of this story and every story. I thank you for the Lord Jesus. And I pray if anybody here today does not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that this will be the moment that your Holy Spirit convicts them, burdens their heart, and opens their eyes to see their need, and that they'll turn from their sin and in faith 
invite Christ into their life. And then I pray for my brothers and sisters today. I pray for myself. For to open our eyes, our ears, understanding. Help us to have a fresh realization of the presence of God. Not just in our world, O God. But in our lives. And in our family. And in our school. And in our work. And our homes. And our church. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your guidance and your goodness in our lives. Have your will and way, I pray, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is 528. The altar is open today. If you'd like to come and pray, if you need to be saved today, we'd love to help you with that. If you want to just come and pray and ask the Lord's help in your life, please do that. 528, my Savior, first of all, my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide with the bright and glorious morning I shall see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side and his smile will be the first to welcome me. We're looking forward to being with Jesus in that day. But beloved, Jesus is with us now. Do we know his presence in our life? Let's stand together and sing. The altar is open. 528. When my life.